The Rangers just keep on rolling. They've made it eight wins in a row now, and that includes a statement win against the Islanders in front of 79,000-plus at MetLife Stadium this past weekend. We talk about it on the podcast this week, whether or not it was a bigger win than people actually realize. And then we also get into some of the roster moves that are going on here, some injuries, some contract extensions, but... The big topic of the show today will be trade talk, and we get into that with, of course, Larry Brooks, Molly Walker, Brian Boyle. It's all happening next here on the Up in a Blue Seats podcast from the New York Post, and it starts right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast. The Rangers are rolling. It's eight in a row. The guys are looking pretty good. Like those first 23 games we saw early in the season, the mojo is back. And we're going to see if they can take it into their matchup with the Jersey Devils tonight. Uh, We hope you're listening to this podcast to kind of hype you up. And that's what we're here for. We're here to talk about all good things, including... A little bit stadium series talk. There was a move that was made literally just now. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about some trade rumors. So appreciate you joining us. And as always, we appreciate Miss um, Molly Walker from the New York Post. And of course, former Ranger great, Ryan Boyle. Uh, before we get into things here, I just have to throw this out there. Um, Boston College this weekend, Brian. Um, they they had a pretty, nasty. Had a pretty good, pretty good weekend against uh, Molly's nasty. College there. I mean, you uh. know. I don't want to. I don't want to start start anything between the two of y'all. But um, you know, not it's a bad not weekend. It's not even. It's not even. I feel like this has happened all season. Every time I look at the score for UMass against BC or BU, it is just so incredibly one sided. And I'm like, Zoom. oh, Greg Carvel is probably banging his head up against his, his office yeah. wall right now. I know they he had him. They had him. Uh, BC just came back. Apparently, there was some questionable officiating. Mm. Some UMass fans weren't happy about, but uh, look, we're just, we're just, just, I'm telling you, Perot is like, oh, yeah, he is. Perot's nasty. He's an untouchable. If we're going to well, make so it he, as, as it pertains to the Rangers, he is an untouchable. The only thing I can think of is he has like a different kind of skating stride from what he's done as a young player in college is very hard to do. He's mm-hmm. dominant. Like he's mm-hmm. dominant. He's the best player on that line. He's he was the last one to get picked out of the three. He was still a first rounder, but right. <laughs> I mean, he's so fun to watch. And but yeah, it's a different kind of stride a little bit. But Rangers fans get excited about him. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite Laviolette moments from this year was somebody asked him about Perot, which 
I don't know why are we asking him about yeah. Perot, but like <laughs> whatever. Um, but he handled it so well and so appropriately. He was like, you know, he he's like, I don't even need to talk to our scouts. He's like, my daughter goes to DC <laughs> and go and goes to every game, and she tells me that Gabe is doing just fine, yeah. <laughs> doing doing just fine. It was like the perfect anecdotal answer for Laviolette. It was it was great. <laughs> is he leading the nation in points? I believe so. Can someone check that? I believe a, so. She says that's just. I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. He's doing. He's doing just fine. And uh, Laviolette Junior gave that. <laughs> gave that scouting report. It's the perfect boots on the ground that you want in that it situation. Is. There, let me tell yep. you. Well, I, I I just had to hit hit it off the top of the show here, just because I I you know I thought it was interesting. We have a BC person and a UMass person. Uh, we'll we'll get into some stadium series talk very quickly here, just because it, it, it has been a couple of days since it's happened, but we haven't been able to react to it yet. Um, it was an extremely exciting game. The Rangers won, thankfully. It was, I, I feel like it was a good microcosm of the Rangers and the Islanders season, right? Mm. Islanders <sighs> have, have good Definitely players. Definitely the Islanders. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Great players can score, and they're just awful at the end, especially their uh, power play. And then the Rangers, too. You know, some goaltending troubles to start, but to come on really strong at, at the end and um, to, to to win the game in very exciting fashion in front of 75,000-plus. Molly, you were there. Brian, I know you were watching. Um, what were your thoughts on the stadium series between the Rangers and the Islanders? Fans in attendance, which it was almost 80,000. Mm. Actually, I think it was 79,600, something like that. They could not have gotten a better game. I don't think either of the two games for the stadium series could have been any better. 20 goals yeah. between the two games, one overtime game, a five minute comeback. Like it just, just what an unbelievable game. It couldn't have done any better. It, you know, broke records for ESPN since they've reacquired the uh, NHL rights, everything. And I mean, I know logistically this isn't possible probably, and it would, you know, kind of knock the novelty of it, but man, give it to me every year. I, I want, I want it every year. I want, let's go to Yankee stadium. Let's go to city field. Let's keep it between the four local teams. Let's, let's mix and match. I mean, it just was so awesome, so fun, and players obviously loved it. Brian, you could speak more to how unbelievable it must be to play in those sorts of settings. You know what someone suggested? Like, uh, kind of rip off the bean pot a little bit. Yes. Do it yes. I don't know who said that on... Uh, I want it. Someone from the NHL Network. Because I was talking about the bean pot. Obviously, that was at the beginning of the month on NHL Network with Rupper. And Rupper can't figure out the bean pot. And a lot of people can't figure out the bean pot. And you know what? I don't really care because I grew up with the bean pot. <laughs> and it's awesome. And it's like Boston hockey. It's just for bragging rights. It's all it's for. It's less midseason tournament NBA. It's more just like who's the best team right here in mm -hmm. this area. I don't know how you could do it. You'd have to do it over. You have to figure out scheduling because I mean yeah. that's the first time that they played the Islanders this year, which is a crime to me. Yeah. A crime, yeah. an um, absolute crime. <laughs> but what, like, what theater that was? It's, oh. it's, uh, you know, just talking about it. Like I said it before, it's not a playoff game, but it feels like one. It's like a dress mm -hmm. rehearsal for a playoff game because you, you only you're playing one game. It's almost like an elimination game, and mm -hmm. you have to do things. It's coached that way, as we saw with LaViolette and what he did towards the end. It's all that attention's brought to it. It's so much fun to lead up to it. It was, yeah, it was a huge, huge success. And, and the Winter Classic is 
like the crown jewel, right? They, but this year, I mean, there's a couple of teams from out west. There's less people. There's less viewership for the out west mm-hmm. crowd. I'm not saying they don't love hockey just as much, but there's just less eyeballs on it. And then you get, you get Rangers, Islanders, you get Devils, Philly. Like people are watching these. It's oh great. yeah. It's great for the league. It's great for these guys who get a chance to do it. You know, and this is maybe for a different topic or a different time, but there's so much that goes into people signing contracts now, players signing contracts and warm weather places, tax-free places and all that. I was talking to Henrik about this actually on during the game uh, against Dallas in between when they were playing. We weren't on the air, but he's. I'm like, Hank, you could, you could walk around New York City, right? And he's obviously a different level, but I go, you could... The, what you got dinged in taxes here, <laughs> you could go to like a Goldman Sachs meeting and speak to these people on what it takes to be successful and make a million dollars if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like, the people you met here, the opportunities, the doors that it opens being a hockey player in this part of the world, in this part of the country. Yeah, you get taxed, but, and it's, it's the same goes for Canada. You can do endorsement things in Canada. Yeah, like all the these same. things. So like, so when they bring more attention to it, I'm sure there's fans of other teams that aren't in this area that are like, again, these guys, but it's like, <laughs> why? Why are the Rangers on national television so many times? Because mm. people are watching. Yep. People love the Rangers. There's a huge following. So good on the NHL for recognizing that and trying to make a profit, which is ultimately their business. Uh, and it's great for Rangers fans and and for the players. These opportunities that come up for you as a player, it's, it's remarkable. And I, I got a lot of them myself. It's a tons of great memories that we still talk about when we're at holidays or whatever with my family. I'm just wondering if ensuring that the Rangers and Islanders didn't see each other for an entire Mm, calendar year was intentional in the lead up to this. You know, if you want to talk about build up, you want to talk about anticipation and maybe that was their plan all along. You know, maybe, maybe that was exactly how they drew it up, but I feel like that game just showed and i know it was definitely more built up because of the setting and everything like that but i just what a crime it was that that was the first time that they had seen each other in 423 days i just think that's just ridiculous i mean there should have been it should have been better it could have been even better build up that could have been like the third time that sorokin and shesterkin are going head to head Mm. that could have been like I don't know, Martin and Goudreau dropped the gloves like, you know, weeks ago and then they're meeting again and Rempe steps in and that wasn't even, you know, it could have mm-hmm. been even bigger than it was. But because it was more anticipation of the fact that these guys haven't seen each other in so long, I just feel like it was a missed opportunity in that way. And I, I mean, I know I don't know the logistics of the scheduling office and how that all works, but I just think that that just can't happen again. How does that happen? Like, no, it's just, it's, those are so complicated. Those schedules, yeah. Yeah. Know, building availability, whatever, uh, quickly good on Matt Martin. He doesn't have to, yeah. he's, he's established. He's a veteran. He's done a ton of things. He might play a thousand games actually, which he wanted to do since he was in Toronto. I got to play with him there. Um, fighting Rempe. That's a, that's a cool move from a, an opponent, but yeah. giving him that opportunity, obviously Great fight, great energy, but yeah, you got to kind of. I know he's an Islander, but well, I'm wondering, Brian, what what was what do you think his motives were in that situation? Was was it for Rempe or was it for his team? I mean, because if I know just from talking to Rempe and and knowing the type of player that Rempe is, and I spoke to him after the game about this, 
that was exactly what Rempy needed to feel right at home, feel ready to take on the remainder of this game. That served Rempy more than I think it did anybody else in that setting. What do you was it was that his motives? I don't I don't understand why why Martin would try to do so. I mean, it's nice if it was. I think Martin's a great guy, but what 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 do you feel? Like well, it's not like it would be. Yeah, it's not like there'd be no positives. Matt Martin's fighting a monster. Like <laughs> Martin's a tough kid, but uh, and obviously he's he's one of the toughest. You know. Yeah. Around now, especially, and he's mm-hmm. he was he's been tough his whole career. He was yeah. tough in the league. Was a lot tougher too. So Matt Martin's not scared of anybody. Yeah. But when your team sees you go up and fight a, a redwood tree like Rempy, <laughs> you know who cares if he hasn't played any games yet? He's a monster. He so, is. That that's a build like that builds up your team that gets gets everybody going again and but what it does is it makes Rempy effective more so than if you just kind of let him lay and what's he gonna do he's thinking about trying to fight someone he's thinking about what he can do to make a difference in an outdoor yeah. game well now he's gonna punch faces and it's like well great I can do this exactly. he has experience with it so otherwise I mean you just you don't want to let guys get to their game right when you're playing but. That's what I'm it's thinking. All, it's all risk reward though. So like he does well against Rempy and it builds up. And I think it did. I think it was oh, it yeah. benefited both benches. I asked Rempy after the game, actually, I, I, the way I phrased the question, I was like, did you challenge him? Like, did you initiate? Cause I thought in Rempy's mind, he's thinking that that was what he needed and that was what mm-hmm. he wanted. But no, it was Martin. He said that he got on the ice. He was on the ice for less than a second and they're eyeing each other down. Martin was staring at him from the moment he got on the ice and challenged him. They dropped the gloves and the reach that Rempe had mm, on yeah. Martin. Apparently, Martin in, in the other locker room after the game said that it was the longest reach. He had told him this. He it was the longest reach he's seen since the Dan Chara, which what a mm-hmm. what a great comparison for a guy like Rempe to hear. But uh, it was just what great theater. It was great for mm-hmm. Rempe. Rempe, <laughs> Rempe was so funny. He was like, I can't curse, but you know, effing rights. I want to go. You know, that's what, he, <laughs> that's what he said to me. I was cracking up. It was it was so perfect, but it was exactly what Rempy needed to take on the rest of that game because I can't even imagine. I can't even fathom, and you could probably speak to this better, Brian. But what it must be like to be making your NHL debut. Mm playing in your first game, something you've looked forward to and worked toward your entire life for it then to happen on that grand of a scale. That's incredible. What that yeah. must be like for, a, I think he's 21, for a 21-year-old kid like that. I just, I can't even imagine. And that was exactly what he needed mm-hmm. to be like, all right, I, I'm here, I'm arrived, I'm fine. Th- this is what I was brought here to do. And that's what it's he did. It's nuts. I mean, it's different anyways. You get into an NHL game, it's like, I'm in the NHL. This is yeah. wild. Yeah. And the whole time you're like, all right, just play hockey, play hockey. Because, you know, it's like, I'm doing it. I did it. Yeah. Right? That's what you're kind of thinking. Yeah. I, I don't know how that... He's doing a lap. <laughs> I know. A rookie lap at MetLife Stadium. People. Yeah, imagine. Uh, what the hell are we doing here? This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, and you just kind of go. You just, yeah, this is what's happening. You know, you can't change it. I mean, I got on the ice with 12 minutes left in the first. That was... TV timeout. That was my warm up. It was my rookie lap. <laughs> you know, driver got lost. That's such a great story. I mean, classic. <laughs> so I'm just like, what? At that point, too, it's kind of like, all right, this is what we're doing. Can't really overthink it. He, I don't know if with him, it's like, it's weird playing outside. It's different. Yeah. So good for him. Mm. I mean, it's wild. 
it almost felt like baptism by fire where it's like, all right, like you're going into, you know, a, a, the environment. I mean, playing at the garden is one thing, you know, historic, right. but, but being in front of that many people in that kind of mm-hmm. environment at MetLife, uh, it was incredible. And needless to say, I mean, to all the people that, that say, oh, well, it's just a regular season game, you know, no, just, it, it's, it's not because it, it, you can tell when, when the Rangers won it in, in overtime, just the jubilation, mm. Of lives, which I I couldn't. I mean, I, I, I like just almost fell off the bench. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> and 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 that's why I say like like you know you you mentioned this ball too. Like it's it, it's not just a regular season game. It, it, like these players took pride in that game, and everyone wanted to win it, especially in, in in front of that many people in person and on TV. The Rangers needed to win it, and they won it. So kept their winning streak alive. As I mentioned earlier, they're going into their matchup with the uh, Jersey Devils tonight, another uh, foe uh, of the division. Uh, but as we're recording the podcast here, we actually had some breaking news uh, happen here uh, from Rangers PR that Brent Ottman has been recalled from Hartford. Um, so it's for either Panarin or who did you say, Molly? Jimmy VC. They both were day to day with lower body injuries. They didn't practice. Um, after the Stars game. Um, so it is a precautionary move for the Rangers right now. If one or either or can't go, they also have Alex Belzeal up and in the cupboard, if you will. Um, waiting in the wings, I think is a better better way to say it. But yeah, it's uh, they really, I think they've made 12 recalls this season, including Johnny Brodzinski, who has become a regular. Mm-hmm. Um, congrats to him. Yep. Yeah. Also congrats to stick taps for him. Um, just so well-deserved. I mean, he's been such an important guy for them for so long. Um, and he earns that deal. It's a one-way deal, which is something mm-hmm. that he's been working for his entire career. Um, and it was a great deal for the Rangers as well. I mean, if you look at what their bottom six is going to look like for the next couple seasons, it's affordable yep. and it's formidable between mm-hmm. him and Jimmy VC and, you know, the guys that they have, Barkley Goodrow as well. Um, but yeah, it, they've made 12 recalls this season, which they have dealt with injuries more than they have in a really long time. I mean, they were so lucky for so many years and this season they definitely got the treatment of every other NHL team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do find it interesting how they've capitalized on carrying the extra forward, carrying the extra defenseman because LaViolette has wanted to take a look because I also think that, I mean, this is me just speculating, but I think that, I mean, Will Cooley was told that he was expected to compete for a spot, a a roster spot this season. But I just had a feeling that LaViolette looked at Cooley because he's been high on Cooley for the entire season and thought, how has this kid not been up here beforehand? Like, how is this the first time that I'm, you know, bringing him on the roster? And I feel like he's wanted to. And same thing with Edstrom. He saw Edstrom and was like, why is this kid buried in Hartford? I want him on my roster. So I feel like they've given him a time to look at all the guys that they have in the cupboard and, you know, given Laviolette an opportunity to make his own evaluations. And and that's why we've seen so many different guys come up at different times this season. I like that. It's Othman again. I think, I think that's, it's good to have a close eye, bring him back in. Even if he's not going to play, it's like, Hey, you're on our radar. We're not forgetting about you. Yeah. 
you know, whatever happens, it's kind of a, you know, we're recognizing what you're doing sort of thing, almost like a reward. And uh, that's, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but he's bright future. Right. That's, that's, you know, but hopefully, hopefully he's not needed. Yeah. And for a kid like that to see guys like Matt Rempe and especially Rempe, you know, we talk about this a little later in the show with Larry, but, you know, he was just such a unique guy when they first drafted him. It was almost like he's six foot eight and a half. Why not? Like, let's just see what we can do with him. Let's just see what he could become, what what the possibilities of it. But when he first was drafted, he was so far away. You know, he was no Othman. You know, he was just so down far on the depth chart. But he's gotten better every year. They've worked with mm-hmm. him very closely every year. But I remember watching him for the first time and just... He's a he's such a he was at least he's not so much anymore, but just like a lumbering, you know, gazelle on skates or giraffe on skates is probably a better comparison. But now he has so much more control of his body. He he is so much he's so much better in that regard. And it's because they've worked with him. And this season in Hartford, he's shown up on the score sheet. He's just been much more noticeable, had more impact on games than he ever has before. And that's what's led to him coming up like that's mm-hmm. you know it's been a natural progression for him but it's just he has come so far from where he first started in the organization yeah. and i think it's such a unique story where he's concerned i talked to uh jeff bookaboom about him a couple of years ago with an mm. alumni event. And he said you know we like this guy we want him to be kind of like what you were I, mm-hmm. said, All right. I didn't know who he was and i looked him up i was like well I mean, I was two-time All-American. I had 30 goals in the American League. What are we, what are we talking about here? But Just that dirt <laughs> exactly. off your shoulder, Brian. I'm a brag. <laughs> no, 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 no. People forget. People oh, yes, like yes, yes. I like to remind them. Good, as you should. <laughs> Rookie year in the American League. 30 goals. Spit, spit those stats. Spit them out. <laughs> um, I will say, uh, talking to Matt Rempe, he told me that Tanner Glass has always been in his corner, has always always been a proponent of Matt Remby. And I think that's that's really interesting. I think well, that Tan- Tanner Glass's voice definitely carries. And I I just think it's it's an interesting dynamic there. Yeah. And to get to my actual point, other than pumping my own tires, it's, <laughs> I couldn't be that in the NHL. I wanted mm-hmm. to be that. And I thought I could be, but I, I wasn't going to be like a 30-30 guy in the NHL. And I had to learn a new way to play. And he is kind of crafting his way of playing where you can't like it if you make a mistake or if your skating isn't getting better you stick out like a little deficiency in a six foot eight man looks a lot worse than it does six foot eight and a half is you're standing out no matter what (laughs) yeah absolutely so i mean eyeballs are on you that's what i i assume that all the time when i played Mm -hmm. and it's just little things turn into bigger things. So you really have to be diligent and disciplined and play a certain way because then if you're effective enough with that, just the, the sheer size, <laughs> he can create yeah. and do that. He, you can bring him up regardless of what he's done in junior, regardless of what his numbers say. He's 21. He's You got to think of him almost as like a 16-year-old right now because of how much he's grown. Mm-hmm. And you look at him, yeah, he's tall, but he looks like a baby. Does. Oh, yeah. He's 21. Star. He's 21. Right. I'm really interested and excited to see what he can become because 
you can work on your hands, you can work on your shot, yeah. and you can work on your skating. People think you're a finished product, 21. At 25 years old, I had to break down and forget how to skate and learn a whole new way of skating. Otherwise, I was out of the league. I'd played like 110 games to that point, and I went all summer. And it, and then like over 700 games later, I got to play eight, eight, whatever it was, because you adapt. So if he has that in him, that ability to want to do that, this guy could be a garden favorite for a mm-hmm. lot of years. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's sitting on 96 penalty minutes in the AHL this season. 96. <laughs> the that guy... was nothing when I played in the AHL. Oh, now. well, it is now. It is yeah. now. But the guy can fight. The guy isn't scared of any of those situations. Mm. I mean, how could you be towering over everybody else? I but still... he, he also, and I mentioned this later too, but he's putting in the work and they're putting in the work with him. He's out there with the extras and Edstrom too, out there with the extras every single day after practice, after morning skate, Mm. working with the skills coach, working with the assistants, spending extra time because he knows and they know that he's still a work in progress. So Mm. if he's able to continue putting in, in the work, I also, I'm excited. It, It could be fun. It, it it could be a lot of fun, especially just just because of his dimensions alone. <laughs> it could be a lot of fun, and I don't think anyone's ever a finished product at 21 years old. I can only imagine, mm-hmm. you know, doing that kind of stuff. So, all right, we're gonna get into some more trade rumors, discussion, roster moves uh, with Larry Brooks. It's coming up next in the podcast right here. Brent, always good, always fresh. <laughs> Back on the podcast here, and it's time to welcome in, of course, the great Larry Brooks from the New York Post. Larry, we're discussing all things Rangers. They're streaking. We're going into another big game tonight. Try to keep that streak alive. Uh, But of course, there are still some things the Rangers need to fix, work on. Uh, And thankfully, there's a deadline coming up soon, the NHL trade deadline, where they're going to be, we're hoping they're going to be a little bit active. Um, As of right now, obviously, there's some injuries they need to make up for. What are you feeling? Who are you thinking could be a big target for the Rangers or at least someone that that you feel could help them if they were to go out and get before that deadline? Well, I, th- I think their needs are are right now what they've been all year, really. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a right wing to play with Zibanejad and Kreider. Yeah. And I think they're looking for an upgrade on the third line center. I I would prefer them to have a a, a, a stronger third pair lefty, but I don't know if they're going to replace Gustafson. I, you know, he's, he's just played so well for them in his role. And we know LaViolette endorses. Big fan. Big yeah, fan. He's a big, he's a big fan. Big fan. Every time he's asked about Gustafson, he says, well, Gustafson and I have history. You know? He glows. He glows. He does. Um, so I, look, I, I think it's, it's the center spot on the third line. We know, you know, Brzezinski is a good story. I think they'd like to upgrade. Um, with a little bit more experience with a little guy with with somebody who's maybe has, has a little more fiber um between Cooley and, and Kako to becoming a really interesting dynamic on a third line. They have a third line that can score. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why, you know, deviating from the trade deadline for a second, that's why I would leave Kako on the, on that line. I wouldn't move him up. You know, they, they have three lines right now. You know, Kreider and Zabanajed take care of themselves pretty much at this point. Um, VC's up there, but Laviolette, you know, moves up Panarin. He moves up Trocek. He, you know, he, so VC's not playing up there in a, in a in a tight third period if they're if they're behind. 
So I think they're looking for an upgraded center. I, I think uh, one of the one of the people, and I wrote about this the other day, is Seattle's Alex Wenberg, who who really would be playing down in a, in a third line role for the Rangers. He's um, he skates well. He's got some size. He's got a lot of experience. I think he's he's a, you know I I think he brings more to the table than Brodzinski at this point. Though I really do like Brodzinski's uh, shoot first mentality and his speed. So I think they're looking there to upgrade in that spot, and I think they're they're searching for the right wing uh, to play with uh, Zibanejad and Kreider. I always think they do better with speed on that side. Um, so I, I would I would I would like to, a guy with speed to play with them, but the, you know there there are several alternatives out there. I don't think any of them are worth giving up a first round draft pick though, and mm. you know, guys on 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 that side i just don't see difference makers i i don't i don't think there's a a, a particular difference maker here i i think i think you know it's going to be really interesting what the cost is for certain assets i think that'll be that'll be the determining factor who the rangers get but i expect them to be very aggressive they've they've put themselves in position now where legitimately they can say we're one of the six or eight teams that have the best chance at winning the cup yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like this this latest streak has has reestablished them as one of the better teams in the league. There's there's no um dynasty teams or no super teams in this league. So the Rangers flawed as they may be and we see their flaws every night. We don't see every other team's flaws every night. We see the Ranger flaws every night. But there's no question like you know through 56 games they've established themselves as one of the favorites to win the cup. Hypothetically speaking here, if Jury is looking at Seattle as a one-stop shop, potentially, I'm I'm looking at Jordan Eberle. I don't know about you guys. I'm wondering what you're thinking, but Jordan Eberle, I think, just from watching him with the Islanders, and we kind of got into this off-camera a little bit, he wasn't really set up for success with the style that the Islanders play and, and the skill set that he can bring. I don't really feel like it was really able to shine in the in in the circumstances he was in with the Islanders just that's from what what I watched him up close so I'm thinking that he could be a right wing option for the Rangers what are your thoughts I like him I mean I really like him I've I've liked him the last couple playoffs because I think he just he's a guy like I talked about he can get into the middle of the ice and I was really surprised by that I didn't think that was his game and he really can do that and when you do that he creates so much in terms of confusion he gets between the dots through the neutral zone and off the rush and that's kind of the game that the rangers play now if i'm chris drury am i looking at okay what do we what's our game and what complements us or am i looking at florida and being like how are we mm. going to beat florida mm-hmm. because that's yeah there's no dynasty teams and larry you're right but if vegas gets healthy I mean, I think they're coming out of the West, even though you have Dallas, who's really, really good. Edmonton has been, you know, very good lately. Um, you have a couple of I me. Mean, Colorado is, I watched Colorado-Vancouver after the Rangers game two nights ago, and they were both teams playing at a different yeah. speed. Colorado's like, ridiculous. What is going on? And it was like a 2-1 game. So do you look at the other teams? How am I going to come out of the East? Who do we have to beat and try to right. combat that? Is that who you're looking at? Well, or are you, you know trying what, though, to complement your own roster? Or is it a you know what I think? 
Yeah, what what I think is that, and it's and it's been interesting to hear Laviolette over the last week talk so much about their marquee guys, and 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 it's you know he's talking about well these are our power play guys. We're going back to the power play because they're our guys. And then on Sunday in, in the stadium series against the Islanders, mm. he just, he kept throwing them out, throwing yeah. them out, throwing <laughs> them out, double shifting, double shifting. You know, and then you know, then they have the power plays, and and so the the Rangers are going to win on their they're going to they're going to win or lose based on their marquee players. Yeah. They they just right. are. So they have they have to bolster them the best way they can. I think you know is. You know, is Artemi Panarin going to have a breakout playoffs? They need him to have a break. He's their best yeah. player. Yeah. He has to be, the, you know, he has to be one of their two or three best players in the playoffs too. Mika, ha, you know, Mika Zibanejad has to be one of their best players. And so I, I think they can solidify everything else around them. But, and, and as much as I've been talking all year about them bulking up, well, they, they kind of are with, with Rempe and, and Edstrom now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's an indication that they recognize that they lacked some size and, and they lacked, you know, they, they lacked that physicality. So, you know, are these two, I mean, is Matt Rempe? Can, can yeah, he, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, that's the but question. Certainly, but they're, they're certainly giving them the opportunity, you know. So I just think, you know, I don't think they can become a Florida team. They, you know, no. They're going to have to win on their on their talent, but they're also going to have to back it up with, you know, with with the grind and the grit and getting to the inside and and everything else. But, you know, they're kind of married to who they are. You know, they are. Um, It's not as if they're going to flip, you know, Zibanejad at the deadline and then bring in a different kind of player. Mm. I mean, this is who they are. I don't think I'm saying anything groundbreaking when I say that when they do bring in the two to three reinforcements that they are going to bring in that Rempe is going to get edged out. And I can see him filling a really niche role of a 13th forward where when they do feel like they need somebody to come in and and answer the bell or, you know, start something that they, and I don't, and I think Laviolette is the type of coach that would utilize that too. But I don't think Matt Rempe is going to be in, in the Rangers playoff lineup. It's just, I mean, and I give him so much credit. I give the Rangers a lot of credit every single day. The assistant coaches and the skills coach, Christian Humera is out there with Edstrom and Rempe putting in extra work. Like they know that these guys are, that are still works in progress. You know, they know that these guys still need a little bit extra work. Um, if they are going to fill this role between now and when these reinforcements do arrive, but uh, there's just, I mean, we've talked about this, Larry, there's just, I don't think that Rempe is, is in there, <laughs> is, is on their fourth line come the playoffs. I watched him break a puck out behind his own net, skate it all the way down the ice and dump it in and run somebody. I mean, it's it's north, entertaining. South, well, north south, he can move. Yeah, and if he can play shorter minutes effectively, that's sort of a skill. And like, I always have a soft spot for that because yeah. you think, oh, he's only playing six minutes or whatever it is. If you can be effective in those six minutes, it's mm-hmm. a hard thing to do. A lot of guys can't. It's mm-hmm. hard to sit there for that long and then go. And a big man, for yeah. a big man to do it, I saw that happen in the. I think it was. 
I don't know what period it was in, but he just took it. There was a little scrum. He scooped it up behind the net himself. The confidence he had to skate it all the way down the ice. And then he put it in the corner. Yeah, it, was the second, it, was the second, it was the second period. Him and Edstrom, like, combined. Yeah. Bash brothers. So, I mean, early in a playoff series, you're putting that you're putting that in to try to establish a certain, you know, a, a certain game plan. So he he can be, he can be used. I don't, I wouldn't shock me at all because you do different things. You tinker, you see, you know what coaches do. It's, it's the same every year and it's the same every year for a reason because the same type of play wins every single year in the playoffs. Now, if their power play's cooking, they have a great chance. It's feast or famine. Colorado probably won it. Colorado probably won it a little bit differently. Yeah, but they're in your face too. They're and still in your face. They still, still yes, they it's true, but they but they were near their net. Yeah. They had the puck. They were just like a super team, but yeah. they yeah. Still like it's Landeskog. He's not a you know, he, he he's not some guy that's gonna get pushed around and even McKinnon, he's he's their skill guys have a lot of grit to them. They weren't necessarily like Vegas last year with all the redwood trees and no one could get near the net, but they were good enough. You have to take into consideration, though, that that line in particular has been playing pretty sheltered minutes. You know, right. Lavi, yeah, Lavi, let's not throw those guys out there. In- again, I mean, it's it's really interesting. Again, how how much he is is leaning on his his top players. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, he. I I think it's fair to say that he is. He identified this as these last couple of weeks as a particularly important stretch. Um, you know, they, they were kind of teetering coming out of the break there's no question about mm-hmm. that and i i think as you know I, I think he recognized the importance of reestablishing themselves and and you know you, you watch him work the bench and and you know he's he would play artemi panarin yeah <laughs> honestly and artemi would play 45 minutes if he could too but you know when you when you watch him um you know Double shift Panarin and and then move Trocheck up to right wing and then move Kako for one shift, but you know he wants Kreider and Zibanejad and Panarin and Lafreniere yeah. on the ice as often as possible. And 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 one of one one of the I think un, unfortunate byproducts of that is that Will Cooley's not getting enough ice time. Mm. I look at Will Cooley's ice time and some and he's getting. There are periods where he's on like for two and a half to three and a half minutes. I just don't think he's getting enough ice time. And it's not because he's young, he needs time, he needs this. It's because he's producing, because he mm-hmm. is, you know, he he goes to the net, he plays straight line, he, you know, he mm. plays playoff hockey. So I want to see him. I don't know why he's not on the second power play. I yeah. I really I, I haven't understood that for a while, but now that Wheeler went down. He's just he's you know he's gone now with three and two he's gone with the three forwards and he's put Truba back, um, you know with with Gustafson instead of going with four forwards and and uh, going with Cooley I would like to see Cooley the net as you know the net front guy on the on the second power play but again um, you know Peter Laviolette is a guy who rides his horses and you know that, and that's what he's doing whether you know whether they can they can strengthen themselves and and get deep enough. That he can, that he trusts the third line to play eleven minutes of five on five, is something I need. That they're going. I, I think it's going to be beneficial for them because you can't, you can't get through the playoffs with five players. You can't. Gallant was similar though, no, in terms of riding his horses. 
Yeah, he was to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's just the makeup of this team. Yeah. You know, there are, we've been oh, saying except, when he, except when he had except when he had the kid line, he was able to actually Right. 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 And, he and was almost and, reluctant and, about that. <laughs> and, and you know, I always thought that when people I I really did. I, I mean, I I I got the whole argument about Lafreniere as a first overall pick should probably be in a more prominent role. I think that's, you know, you can debate that here and there, but I know ne I never bought the fact that they stuck him on the third line or that they stuck Kako on the third line. It was kind of a niche third line, mm. right? It, it was, it was, it was, you know, they were the kids, they're the kid line and they played well with each other. And, and a lot of times they were getting second line ice time. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when the, when the kids were together and they were going, then they can roll it then they could roll their three. What I'm kind of curious about, and you know, you guys brought up Lobs. We saw in the stadium series, he was uber aggressive towards the end of that game, mm -hmm. you know, throwing out or um, uh, taking off Igor uh, to, to put it on the six on uh, six on four power play and then to go make it a six on five. Um, is that something that and again, you mentioned it that that the Rangers were kind of reeling coming out of the the trade or uh, the um, All Star break. But uh, do you think that that aggressive mind style is something that you may see him continue to roll with down the stretch here, um, trying to get the most out of his guys? That's I think situational. He's been I think he's been aggressive all year, so okay, I wouldn't yeah. expect it to change much. It's situational too. You know, multiple goals, trying to win a game like that game's different. It's not a regular regular season game. There's a big spectacle. There's a lot of eyes on it. You know, so you try to almost look at that like this is a little dress rehearsal for what a playoff situation might be. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because you're outside and you're only outside for that one game. You want to win that one game, and it's sort of like everything's kind of heightened. All the emotions heightened, and there's more to it than just two points on the line. So it's like, all right, these are some reps that we would have if we're down in a playoff game. That was like what you'll that's what you'll see. Like we're when, trying to win this game no matter what. We're not worried about any other game. This game's mm -hmm. all that matters right now. And my God, when that power play plays with urgency. Yeah. My God, everybody look out. Like that's that's the type of aggression and style that they need to channel for the entire duration of the playoffs. The urgency that they played with in this, you know, the final stretch of that game, that's what's going to carry them through the playoffs. But it's just a matter of sustaining that, which is difficult to do. And, you know, obviously that's a that's a challenge in itself. But that's that was it right there. I mean, when they were whipping the puck around during that, say, I know they have the two man advantage and whatnot, but it, it was a thing of beauty. It really was. And that's an unstoppable sort of force that they have going on there that I think Ranger fans should be really excited about and should look at that and think that if they play with that sort of intensity and that tenacity, they could actually make some noise in the playoffs, but only if they play with that. Well, I mean, we look at those power plays, they executed, they won draws, mm -hmm. they got to the middle, they shot from the middle, they scored from the middle. Okay. They do it again. There's net front, there's lanes in the middle. Then what do the Islanders do? All right. We're going to clog up the middle and then bank right over to Mika for, you know, off the dot. So they have options. If they if they do the things that, like, that's how you set it up. You want that shot from the middle. If you want to pass it around the perimeter on your first unit, everybody touch the puck, that's fine. But it doesn't always work so well. It, it looks cool a lot of times, but this was like, all right, we got to attack. And they, they know that they can. When they attack, they're going to get chances. They got a good you know guy in front of knows what to do. 
You know what's interesting too? It, 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 it reminded me of the last few games how imp- how important winning the opening faceoff is on the on the power play mm-hmm. because oh, they were because yeah. like you know the first fifty percent of the year they were constantly winning. They're always in the zone. Then you know when they were going through this stretch, they'd lose draws. They you know, and and you know they'd go back and they pick it up. They couldn't. You know it was tough to you know it was tough on the entry. Um, Teams were pressuring them on the blue line, and then they go back again, and and it's just you know when they can establish possession mm-hmm. right off right off the hop, they're almost impossible to contain. Mm-hmm. But when they have to go back, and you know, and like any other team, I guess you know, but when they have to go back and restart and restart and restart, it goes nowhere. You know, and and their power plays that go nowhere go nowhere because they stay on the ice. You know, they, yeah. they stay on the ice. They move it. Around, you know, they move. Well, that's it. why you got two D on the second unit because they're mm. playing twenty seconds and someone's coming out of the box. Yeah, yeah. I, meant to, I meant to tell you yeah. that too because it's just they're not. Well, actually, the other night, the other night he actually put the second unit on um, for an offensive zone draw with uh, with a minute two. Yeah, I saw that. Because they were, it was like, oh. Big time minutes. Get off. (laughs) And they did. They came off. They came off. The unit had like the last 25, though, because there was a whistle and they're like, all right, get the big guns back. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. No, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) They did it. But I'm I'm with with Larry. I think that that's LaViolette's coaching style. I think that we've seen that all season from him in terms of you know end of game situations and the way that he approaches it it's he's he's aggressive he's a mm-hmm. in-game aggressive coaching coach well, if hey, you're Brian, paying a guy 11 Brian, million Brian, get him on the question for you. yeah how much how much do players how much do you how you know guys pay attention to how the coach interacts with the media how 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 much attention do you pay to what the coach says um on a day on a daily basis every year i paid a little bit more attention to it Mm. because it's information for the players what does he think about this team Mm. Uh, so for example my last year in pittsburgh my my son had the app on his ipad and he would watch the post game (laughs) in the morning and i'd call him in the morning because i was in pit and he was here but we'd talk about the game and he was telling me things that coach sullivan said and i was like okay (laughs) I'll never forget one time he's like, Dad, you got you were minus one. And I was like, I, I know. Goes, Coach did not like that goal. And I'm like, he didn't. He goes, Nope, he did not like that goal. And I hope he can play next game. And I was like, Okay. Went to practice. I wasn't in the lineup for the next game. I had three. And he was like devastated. I called him before a game from the gym. We had to, you know, you work out when you're not playing. And he's like, I knew that minus was gonna <laughs> this was gonna come back and hurt us, Dad. And I'm like, Aww. he did. He called it and he goes, I watched Coach Sullivan. I was like, how did you, he's six years old at the time. I was like, how did you know that? He's like, Coach Sullivan, he didn't like that goal. <laughs> so you can get, you can kind of know what you're going to walk into. You don't want to be surprised at practice, but in a lot of times, I mean, the coach is going to say a lot more to the players and really good coaches communicate very well to the players. Like Labby was one and Sully was another, you know, he, he's not hiding anything and he's not going to tell you great job and then go in the media and say, you know, our penalty kill was awful. Well, I'm on the penalty kill. Like, what are you telling me? A great job. So he, he like those guys are good, and I would pay attention to that more and more, just because that's my job. It's I, I want to know what he's saying. I want to I want to know all the information I can have. 
Olavs does a good job of communicating and um, his press conferences are always usually pretty good. So always worth watching if you're a Ranger fan to get those inside information. So you're not getting it from your child or someone else like Brian used to. Oh, he was right. <laughs> and he was right. Uh, Larry, we always appreciate you coming on. Thanks as always. Thanks guys. And now here's your boiling point for the week. And now it's time for the boiling point of the week. Brian, what's boiling your point? Uh, landing, landing on an airplane uh, this this last uh, Monday. Coming back from a hockey tournament for my eight year old, we went to Florida. It was awesome. There's no connecting flights. There's no no one's getting off, getting on another plane. We got in at like ten o'clock at night. Someone from the back just decides they're going to go right to the front when you sit you sit back there and you wait your turn. All right, don't be an, don't be an ass. What do we do? Like what? How do people think? Like I'm just going to go. They don't think for a second that like everybody wants to get off the plane. Don't go from the back all the way to the front. Like we don't care. They're like bumping into people too. Just a complete jabroni. Anyways, have some common courtesy, you donkeys. I was not happy about it. And then I had to pretend I like didn't notice it because my kids were looking at me because I was like, what? And I'm mumbling under my breath. They're with my two oldest kids and they're looking at me like, why is that person going? And I had to tell them that that person is selfish and probably doesn't have any friends. I think it's a great, great pass. They, they've been saying my, my home, so. <laughs> and that'll put a bow on episode 145 of the Up in the Blue Seats podcast from the New York Post. Before we get out of here, we're going to dish out some stars. Let's start with you, Molly. Ladies first this week. Who's your number one star? I got to go with Matt Rempe uh, for a myriad of reasons. Becoming the first player in NHL history to make his his debut in an outdoor game. Uh, should get it for him enough, but the fact that he came in, dropped the gloves with Matt Martin, uh, he played a little less than four and a half minutes in that one, but still made an impact. Played against the Stars, absolute bash brother action with Adam Edstrom. Yeah. Just really, really fun to watch this. And I do believe that the Stadium Series game was the six-year anniversary of the passing of his father, too. So just a, an unbelievable story all around. So stick taps for Matt Rempe, for sure. Boiler, number two star. Uh, I got Capo Caco. <laughs> I loved his game against Dallas. Obviously, he had the goal, but then after the goal, he goes and does what not a ton of guys up front do, and he grinds. He had a cycle shift where he's below the dots, he's below the goal line. I think just that's so important. He, he was, he just looks more comfortable on the ice. He looks like he is becoming what he knows he can be. And the goal he had was on and off the stick quickly. You know, short side coming down his strong side. His game took off after that. They drew a penalty later. He was, he's an element that they need. And he's really, really important to the team. The players, the coaches, they, they know that. Hopefully the fans start understanding that too. Uh, he is an element that especially, I mean, I look at it like playoffs. That's that's a type of player that's going to be really effective in the playoffs. I'm going to give the number three star to the New York Rangers in general. 5-0-0. Oh, way to go on a limb there. In outdoor <laughs> games. Listen, but they were also the first team ever in the outdoor game to complete a three-goal comeback. That's impressive. And, you know, like you said, like, like that's essentially a playoff game if you will so give kudos to the rangers for coming back even though the islanders are not not very good uh but we will take that win we'll take that and uh we'll take this podcast home here as always we're going to thank jake brown for helping produce the show catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to up in the blue seats on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast and if you're watching us right now on the new york post sports youtube page be sure to give us a thumbs up comment below what do you think the rangers will do at the trade deadline 
you think they're going to go all in? Do you think they're going to do something crazy? One-stop shop? I don't know. Give us your thoughts. Maybe we'll read them on the podcast next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Miss Molly Walker. That's uh, two E's, two R's, at Brybrows22, and myself at Andrew Hartz without the E. For Brian Boyle, Molly Walker, Larry Brooks, I'm Andrew Hartz. Thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. LGR. Later. Have some common courtesy, you donkeys.